Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Cabbage Corp podcast began. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Christian. And welcome to the Cabbage Corp podcast. The Cabbage Corp podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Head to anchor.fm slash cabbagecorppod to find the podcast app of your choice. Also, for our Korean listeners, don't worry, we are also on Podbang. If you like this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We love to hear from all of you guys, so leave comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Cabbage Court Podcast. Last week, we went over the last three episodes of book one in Avatar, The Last Airbender. And today, it is the beginning of our mini-series where we're going to go over the history and influence between two out of the four bending nations within Avatar, The Last Airbender. As promised, this is our deep dive into the elements themselves, the history, um, some of the artist's inspiration behind the, the different nations of bending itself. But also, we're going to talk about some weird lion turtley things. <laughs> Look forward to that, um, yes. Christian. I'm so hyped to be doing this. This is, you know, the mini episodes are going to be a good, um, let's go into the library of Wan Tong right here. You know, we, we're, mm-hmm. we're learning, learning about the whole Avatar universe. And um, I could not be happier to be doing this on a Black Friday where we are supposed to be. <laughs> Boom. Love it. Yes. Love it. Yeah. So let's get started with some history before people were able to bend. The, the history before, before, before. This is origin story, creation myth, Avatar style. Yes. Let's go. Okay, so this is basically the beginning of the storyline. It's with Rava and Vatu. And it's kind of like Rava is a spirit of light and Vatu is a spirit of chaos and evil. So during this time, Vatu breaks the barrier that separate the mortal and spiritual worlds. And this causes the portals within the mortal world to be open for the spirits to go through. And that in turn creates spirit wilds, which is basically when spirits pass freely through the poles in the physical world. Gotcha. And this, for a little context of what Christian is is talking about, this origin story, this myth, it, this happens in the, the legend of Korra, right? So when Korra gets in touch with her first avatar life, right? Avatar one, we see just how this happened. So for the people who have kind of skipped ahead and seen Korra, Vatu and Rava are those two Persian rug looking spirits that always like fighting <laughs> and wrestling each other. Um, they have all those markings around them, but they essentially represent um, the, the, the goodness or the evil inherent within the world itself. And so when there, you know, is, a, is, a, is an era of peace, Rava is this huge white, you know, beacon of hope. When there's an era of like, you know, war and darkness, the spirit of chaos, the black spirit of Vatu grows stronger and stronger. And we see them, Avatar Wan approaches them and sees, encounters them first when they're actually fighting and wrestling one mm-hmm. another. Um, and Vatu kind of tricks them. But yeah, just a little, little background on that. Yes. So that was kind of like the beginning of the spirit world and the human world colliding together. 
Um, when this occurred, the humans had to seek shelter on the backs of lion turtles. Right, because before this, right, Christian, there was no, humans had no powers, right? They yeah, were just so, kind of mortal beings. They're walking through, maybe mm -hmm. they had some weapons, but the spirits <laughs> themselves could do anything they wanted. They could possess a human, like deform them. The spirits could, I mean, are, are, are largely uh, more powerful and, and stronger than the humans themselves, right? Yeah, so it was a, the whole connotation of like spirit wilds is, for humans was a very devastating time where like they had no control over anything and they were really um the prey mm. of this storyline which is why they went on the backs of the lion turtles and in this situation the lion turtles were kind of the their role in this was to protect the people right so when the humans had to get off the lion turtles to get food or whatever they needed from the land of the spirit wilds at that time, the lion turtles gave them temporary control of the element that each lion turtle had, which was air, water, earth, and fire. That was the first time humans encountered bending. So it was not really like they learned it on their own. They were, this was given to them from the lion turtles. Yeah. And the lion turtles themselves are, are these huge hulking, behemoth monsters right where the entire yes. cities could be built on their backs and so we're talking mm -hmm. about my math is really bad is that is, is that like 10 million foot <laughs> monster like i don't know they're huge yeah it was, it's like the size it's of like a it's yeah it's like an island it's basically yes. an island for these people yeah and this is kind of where the lore gets a little tricky right because mm -hmm. in, the, in avatar the last airbender they established um sky bisons uh, are the ones who taught airbending to the air mm -hmm. Uh, the moon spirit, uh, aka the koi fish, are the one who taught water bending, and so on and so forth for the dragons and and the badger moles themselves. But it's kind of a retcon, but also you know uh, uh, a pretty pretty fantastic bit of lore where the lion turtles are essentially in legend of Korra they established them as these godlike creatures who existed before like even Rava and Vatu or maybe were mm -hmm. kind of like kind of lived at the same time because when Rava meets a lion turtle for the first time and meets him with Juan um Rava actually addresses the lion turtle as ancient one right which kind of presumes that the lion turtle was around either at the same time or before she was even around right so yeah it's kind of an interesting bit because the lion turtles in generally in all appearances have been very benevolent, have been good natured and have been protectors of humans in one way or the other, right? The lion turtle, spoiler alert, spoiler, this is gonna be a big spoiler. Everything. <laughs> yes. But the lion turtle is the one who teaches Aang energy bending, right? To, to have him spare Fire Lord Ozai's life at the end. Yes. But the idea here is that from the very beginning, they were the ones who had this kind of elemental energy within them. And they are the only ones by the same kind of touching of their forehead and their heart was the only ones who could impart bending to uh to to humans themselves mm -hmm. which is yes. i think it's super i mean it's a really unique part of this this whole equation it's like are these guys the gods of the avatar universe it doesn't really say and i think the transition between when the humans leave lion turtles to how the first animals are the mm -hmm. ones who really widely disperse the knowledge of of bending to humans is is kind of muddy which is why we're yes. you know kind of going through this exercise into the next part is when the creation of the avatar spirit occurred which is when Juan goes in connects with um rava that is the start of the avatar cycle 
And so when this happens, the lion turtles resign from their duties as protectors and they stop granting human bending powers. So that's a big like question mark where it's like when people started to learn how to bend, was it just like a genetic thing? Was it the people that were on the lion turtle that never, I guess their bending was never taken away from them? Yeah. They passed down this gene. Yeah. Like it's, it's very tricky. It's, because it's, it's, it's yeah. a little yeah it's a little muddy in that area but it's not a perfect i mean it's, it's a story first on first and mm-hmm. foremost right if we sign scientificize everything <laughs> it gets kind of weird and whack and boring but it, maybe it's kind of like x-men the mutant gene and stuff you know sometimes yeah it's within somebody sometimes it, it awakens in a genetic pool there's an episode in out in last airbender where there's two twin boys and one of them yeah. is a bender and one of them is not so you're like what the fuck is going on you know mm-hmm. and there's also like why is princess ua you know the direct descendant or direct kind of reincarnation of this moon spirit not able to bend water you know mm-hmm. when she is like a part of this so i think there's a lot of interesting questions that come out of this but for us not to get completely <laughs> you know mired in our own brain waves here i think the important thing here is that once rava and juan merge together and more people um humans can see that there's um civilizations outside that they can survive with their bending in the spirit wilds the lion turtles as christian said was they kind of gave up their duty as protectors and then sent them off with no more bending but um that kind of led to the civilization civilization as it is today right lion turtles were yes. no longer necessary for the protection yeah right? so they decided to depart so with that where did the flying or the lion turtle go you know because like the the water <laughs> like the water one went on you know he's the one who like found ang i don't know how many lion turtles are there christian Give me i don't number. know i'm assuming probably i don't know actually it could have been multiple more than four oh. and then every lion turtle had at least one of these gifts this is true this is true i mean the interesting thing is like throughout the history right throughout the 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 epic and the eras of it people forgot there were other people on different lion turtles right because they were on their one lion turtle for so long and if we look at the way that we meet juan is like um i said juan like my friend juan it's juan juan (laughs) but um they forget and they're they're living in a fire lion turtle right fire lion turtle city it's an incredible civilization they built up so much already and is that 100 years 200 years of of that kind of progress but they completely forgot there's other people in the world yeah so once they were banished that's they were done and i think that's what started these separate nations what they did on the lion turtles even though they left and I'm sure like they left a lot of their own cultural aspects because it was on a lion turtle. They created their own world, but they still had that separate, I guess, like in a sense, like island mentality where they were just their own thing. And I'm sure when Juan came along, that was kind of like the first time where there was like, oh, there are different types of bending skills which kind of makes them think they're probably different types of people who have this ability. Christian, that is a great transition into our element of the day or the first element of the day, air. Um, because Juan encounters um, the nomadic air people in his, in his story, right? He's the, the air nation, as we'll call them eventually, are the first people that Juan encounters outside of his own fire, na- uh, fire lion turtle people. And mm-hmm. so he sees these um, bald, monkish looking people just like propel themselves up with air and get fruit from a tree, right? And so I yes. think that's a really good um, 
it's so appropriate for what the air nation eventually becomes is because these peaceful peace-loving folk but christian let's transition into the element of air with the air bending skills i do want to start off by saying that all the other bending skills had a hard time in within the world of the spirit wilds because just the spirits and the humans did not get along but the air nomads were actually the only people that really didn't have a problem with them and they didn't have a problem with the air nomads because they are represented as the element of freedom which is detachment to the world and that is very similar to how the spirits kind of live like they're very detached from the world which is why it's interesting because they were they were just doing their own thing like the, the, the spirits just didn't care because they knew that they weren't really a threat to them that's an interesting point. The detachment from the world and the spirits detached naturally, their disposition would be detached from the world, right? They have no stake in it. Um, but yeah, you're right. No worldly possessions, right? The air nomads are famous for that. Naturally, it's like you have a glider and you have a rope, right? That's about it. And um, <laughs> the spirits are just running around naked. So it's like, I guess they, they can really attest to that and, and, and yeah. uh, find some find some companionship there. So I see it. Yeah, the air, air nomads transitioned um that's that's a perfect that's a perfect uh, kind of uh, symbolism for what would happen because of course the air nomads eventually would become the most spiritually aware people out of all the four nations um yes. during the hundred years of war and before that and after mm -hmm. so after the whole them migrating off the lion turtles they ended up learning Basically, like the first airbenders besides the lion turtles were the sky bison and that is where humans were able to learn and right the sky bison if you look at appa has this beautiful fluffy arrow on the on on uh the kind of his forehead is his brow yes it took that as inspiration as um mm -hmm. for for the masters of airbending to get tattooed uh once they've reached the master status and mm -hmm. christian what 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 constitutes an airbending master so the airbender, they have to pass 36 different tiers and they have to create their own airbending move that is considered sufficient like enough to, to be a master. Yes. And so um, we, see this, and we see this on display, right, with Aang, because when Aang creates his airball, um, he is only mastered, if I'm, if, I'm in, uh, if I'm correct, 35 different tiers of airbending, right? Mm -hmm. And he's, he, but he, mas he creates this kind of joyous fun way of, of riding around town with with air um air under his butt and um that just becomes like his own thing and his own skill um so he become he earns the rank of master um as the youngest airbender of all time um yes. we see this again in legend of Korra when jenora who has yet to master i believe has, has not yet mastered anything um all 36 tiers as of yet but she masters in an astral projection which is uniquely her own and that becomes um her own special skill that mm -hmm. makes the first master since ang uh since Ma since ang and tenzin yes um and then from that kind of point the traditions go on with getting the tattoos yes. which is i think it's so nice like i had to think about it because i didn't realize how young ang was when he got his tattoos yeah yeah younger than anyone else and he has but at the same time like you will see later on how much the tattoos mean right with um, mm -hmm. um Tenzin's kid uh Milo am I is it Milo 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 excuse me mm -hmm. cut that out I didn't get that wrong 
Milo's like, can I get my tattoos? Can I get my tattoos? It's such a point of honor for, for this tribe that has really no attachment to anything else. It's like yes. the one thing that they love is being an airbender and to master it is a huge, um, it's a huge nod in the right direction for them. Mm-hmm. And so one, one note would be that all airbending uh, monks or all airbender males will have to shave their entire heads and then we'll showcase the, the blue arrow tattoo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the women airbenders um, especially the masters will still get tattoos as we see Janora get tattoos, but they'll shape half of their hair, especially um like kind of the front half of their hair. Yeah, so you can see the tattoo. You can see the tattoo. So no bangs, ladies. I'm sorry, but it's just kind of how it has to be. <laughs> we see Avatar Yang Chen also rock the kind of half dome, half dome. Stuff, yes, she's yes. killing it. She's killing it. Yeah. Um, a couple more characteristics about the airbending airbenders themselves. Um, airbenders are pacifists by nature, right? And they are lovers of all life and so we see this in ang most clearly we've, we've touched on it a million times already ang is a vegetarian maybe not a vegan which is <laughs> we've talked about this <laughs> he's just be eating egg custards you know he loves that stuff <laughs> but yeah so he's uh ang's pacifist nature really fits into the airbending discipline itself right because airbending is deflection is evasion it's never attack right yeah. and um i think the monks treat because of their because of the emphasis on the value of life um they are naturally trying to avoid and and trying to kind of de-escalate de-escalate uh fighting and de-escalate conflict rather than actually trying to like completely overcome them with yeah and we see that in like i guess the special techniques or sub skills all of these sub skills are not in any way violent whereas like in water earth and fire there is a side of it that could be a little like it's just a bit more violent than what the sub skills and sub techniques of airbending is yeah no Um, yeah christian you're right because like i think even within water which i'd say is like you know people say it's a healing element all that mm-hmm. like we just saw master paku turn ice picks from the sky and then rain it down a guitar right mm-hmm. you can make these incredibly violent moves so airbending outside of um zahir's airbending of sucking out oxygen and air oh yeah that, that oh that's so yeah that was that was <laughs> that was wild um it's um it's it is pretty non-confrontational it is it yes in, in yes. every regard however the interesting thing here is um, we mentioned Avatar Yang Chen before. She was three avatars ago before Aang. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Aang is asking for wisdom from the past avatars about what he should do about Fire Lord Ozai because his pacifist nature says he cannot take a life. Avatar, yes. He finally is like, okay, I'm going to ask an airbender avatar about what I should do. And Avatar Yang Chen says, calls him a gentle spirit. And she's like, I know why this is so important to you. But she tells him, that the fate of the world needs to come before your own spiritual needs. And mm-hmm. I thought that was super interesting because even the, while it's not a complete, like you have to kill this man, after Yang Chen was the other airbending, uh, airbender avatars we know it, told Aang that like, hey, like you're the avatar, you represent all four nations now. You are yeah. not just an air nomad. You represent air, water, earth, and fire. So that means you have to take this seriously and you have to put your put your needs secondary and Mm -hmm. that probably involves killing somebody which is terrifying yeah yeah i think that was interesting because 
it really is just a bit harder for Aang to understand just because he's not he's not an adult when yes. he has to do this. So it's like deterring away from what he's known is something so hard. Uh, but it, it, I think it's nice because I feel like in every other aspect of Aang's life, he has always put his job first, yeah. like as the avatar, whether it comes to his social life, like obviously his love life was a huge thing that he was just like, I can't do this right now. Aang is, uh, is a special one, man. It's uh, mm -hmm. He's even willing to, at one point, sacrifice his relationships for the good of everybody. But the one thing is, which, which I love Aang so much for, and I appreciate him as a man and as a child, is like, man, he held true to his beliefs in every way he possibly yes. Um, I think that's interesting what you said before. It's like, he was still a kid, right, when they took him. And so he didn't have to measure the real weight consequences of the world before you left. And so he still has the idealism of a, of, of a child, of a young monk. And he takes that into everything he does, which is, I think is a really incredible testament to his character that he doesn't waver in that way. But as yeah. we talked about right before this, Christian, we touched on some of the sub-skills and special techniques yes. um, that airbenders are capable of. So run us, through, run us through a couple of your favorites. From what I know, there are four different types there is cloud bending which Ooh. we actually saw recently when it was when we watched the episode of the fortune teller when they reshaped and manipulated the clouds Aang used it with air um a little fast forwarding a little water also has a subscale of cloud bending where they actually move the water in the clouds whereas for air they just move the air around the clouds to shape it so they're doing the same thing. They're just using different elements. Um, so that is one. That's something that we saw. There's another one, which is hypersensitivity, which is very similar to seismic sense, which the earthbenders have. Is that so kind earth of Toph uses a lot? Yes. So Toph, later on, we get to meet her character. She uses seismic sense a lot, um, where she can feel the earth, even in the subtlest of movements. So this hypersensitivity is when you can feel the shifts and vibrations within air current mm. so ang would be able to or like whoever an airbender is if they have this skill they're able to figure out who is around them just by the movement of air and then the next one is flight which is crazy to me flight the ability to fly and we see that in zadir it's just crazy to believe that like he he can literally lift his body and i do think it's more of a spiritual thing because they did say like once you give away like everything and you're just detached from the world you're just able to fly you know yeah. <laughs> i'm just like what like what zahir, is this? zahir is such a great villain because he's such a fucking he's a nut job you know but he's such a he's such a devout believer in airbending in general right so um zahir ha is a is a big bad villain in, in Korra season three i believe and um his whole thing is he was never a bender his whole life but after um the the northern northern and southern um spirit portals are opened up all these new airbenders appear and mm -hmm. for the most part it's for good people like pretty um naturally nice people but zahir is a criminal he's a he's a violent man and he gets the ability to airbend and his one one guy is this guy, Guru Lahima. He mentions him all the time. And he writes about the ability of flight. And he says, let go your earthly tether. And even Zaheer could not let go completely, even with his zealousness. 
because he had a girlfriend that he loved. But the girlfriend gets killed, and as soon as she gets killed, he loses his mind, but also loses all aspect of earthly attachments and just begins mm-hmm. to fly everywhere and fight Korra. And he's Which like, is crazy to me. Yeah. He's just flying. Um, another skill is very similar to flying is gliding, which we see yes. Aang do a lot. It's basically like being able to jump from one place to another, very, very, uh, like a huge distance. And he uses his glider. The glider is, is synonymous with Aang and airbending, mm-hmm. last airbender. In Korra, in the last season, when the air nomads become kind of like this global, good-natured police force, we see Jinora oftentimes in like a flying squirrel suit, just being able to fly, you know, mm-hmm. great distances and just drop in places, right? So it's kind yes. of like an on the glider itself. But that's also um, a measure of her airbending, or, or, of her power in airbending. The last is spiritual projection. And this is has to do with your spiritual, I guess, aspect of it because mm-hmm. I feel like with airbending it's not only the movement of air but like we talked about the element of freedom yes. and it has to really do with someone's I guess maturity level in terms of how much they can connect with the spiritual world so this ability is when you are able to move your spirit out of your body and go to different locations and we see this in Korra mm. a lot yeah well, with Janora Janora right? yes, is, is able master. to do this yeah, I was looking at this and the only crazy big, like, I guess, examples I saw was when Janora did that in so yeah. many ways. To to the great, I, I think at the first, um, it, it troubles her father Tenzin a lot because he's never <laughs> yes. had a connection to the spirits, right? But I think that's a really beautiful um, kind of tale in that is that, that, that airbending can continue to evolve throughout the generations and throughout bloodlines. Um, and that is the... F- four sub skills i'm sure there are more but those are the ones that i feel like were really highlighted yeah like we've well, like we've talked about in the past like ang creates like vortexes and cyclones with mm-hmm. you know his staff or he can you know run around kind of uh, the vortex itself the air ball itself is, is kind of an interesting thing tenzin can do like this crazy air scooter that happens as well but um mm-hmm. it's uh yeah, airbending is super creative in a lot of ways because they're just skirting on air. And we're going to move on to some fun facts. Now, before we get into the other ones, I actually wanted to talk about the tattoos that the airbenders had. And I found out that the lion turtles that had the ability to move air actually had very similar tattoos. But it was a little different. Instead of like the... I guess like the arrow or T-shape, they had a dot instead, but it was similar. So it's interesting to see that it just showed like the air movement, I guess, and the lion turtles had, and then the air, like the sky bison had. And so they adopted that, which is, I thought it was really interesting. These lion turtles, man, they're just, they're the gods. I love these lion turtles. Mm -hmm. Let's get a, let's get some lion turtle love out here. Okay, now we just kind of have our miscellaneous but very fun facts about the airbenders and about airbending itself. First off, the air temples were divided by gender, right? So there are four air temples, north, south, east, west. The northern and southern uh, air temples were male, and eastern and western were female. But because the air nomads often traveled as they are nomads, right? They're nomadic people. Um, They often got to see each other for different festivals, for different kind of occasions. And so while the training itself was done specifically in gender specified uh, ways, the kind of communication between all four air temples was great. Yeah, and that's something actually we don't see. We don't really see the Eastern and Western 
mentioned in Avatar The Last Airbender. We just know of the Northern. But it's right. interesting that they split that up. Unlike a lot of other, like, I guess, real real life equivalents of monks and stuff like that, there doesn't really seem to be uh, a big barrier to um, romantic relations, right? With, mm-hmm. uh, with other benders as, as an air nomad, as an air monk, um, which is kind of interesting. The idea that every that while they the air nomads are the smallest nations that every single one of the nomads themselves are airbenders is the largest percentage of bending mm-hmm. nation itself right and yeah. i think that's an interesting thing like how does that happen like if before the genocide were just air like spirit spirit air nomad babies kind of just plucked out and put into a temple we don't really know we yeah don't really- like what if they had a different village of people that were from the that area but they just didn't live in these temples it's it's interesting and we don't really know that area we don't um it's it's a weird (laughs) thing just because that tradition is not around anymore right because Mm -hmm. everyone died but (laughs) um, i think it's it's an important way maybe maybe it was kind of like when tenzin was scouting other air air um air nation air air nomads that were that came after the spiritual um convergence yeah well for spirit convergence maybe it's like that where there was a team scouting young possible air airbenders maybe the temples themselves yeah and kind of moving forward we did talk mention this but ang was actually the youngest master right for his creation of the air scooter that little ball yeah yeah i didn't realize until we ended up talking about this that he invented that little ball yeah, he's no one really knew what uh what the hell he was doing, and he, mm-hmm. this is how I'm gonna get around. <laughs> we see later uh, Tenzin has his own version of the air scooter, but it's like mm-hmm. very yes. manly and very scary, <laughs> like razor blades that are running through the, through the sky. Um, the next one here, the Avatar universe is time stamped by AG, right? We'll see it's like uh 74 AG or you know uh 3000 AG, all that stuff. This is their version of BC and AD, right? The time step of, of the years. Unfortunately, AG stands for the Air Nomad Genocide at the hands of Fire Lord Sozin, right? In the beginning of the Hundred Year War. You know, it was such a disgusting and egregious act that it became the very measure of time in the last airbender and core universe that mm-hmm. everything before the Air Nomad Genocide represents the past. Everything forward kind of represents, you know, this this period of time. So... If you see AG, it stands for Air Nomad Genocide. Okay, and the last kind of point that we want to talk about with like, I guess, the miscellaneous is this is something very commonly known, but it's just the direct opposite airbending art is earthbending. And it is because it makes sense, the detachment of the world and earthbenders are physically and like even with their bending very attached to earth. Right. So, and we've we've yeah. talked about Aang having difficulty with all his teachers, but him mm-hmm. Toph is particularly very struggle. He had a really hard time with that. Exactly. Like he water came a lot easier to him. Um, and then Earth was just super, super hard in that way. Of course, fire too, but I feel like fire had to do more so with the traumatic experience he had. Yes, you're right. While Earth was just something that was really hard for him because it was completely opposite to what not only that air was his first but also i guess in some sense when you're learning earthbending you're taking in the culture and the stiffness you need 
in personality and that's totally against Aang. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, even the firebending, he was a natural at it, right? He was very powerful at it, which is what scared Zhang Zhang. But um, for Earth itself, he couldn't, like Sokka was buried in the dirt up to his neck and he couldn't even move him if he, if he tried until it was at the very last second. Okay, so the last kind of miscellaneous crazy fun fact of the day is that <laughs> airbending is invisible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is this is kind of a, a wild a wild theory, but kind of proven and such. Like we see it, we see the kind of wind current action, we see all the animation swirls mm -hmm. happening because of course we're viewers, we need to see what's going on. We're not a part of this universe, but for the characters there as exemplified by Aang and Toph's fight in the ring when they first meet as a blind bandit, mm -hmm. that Aang kind of beats Toph out the ring with like a gust of wind by airbending, right? And Toph is kind of um, hurled from the ring. But because the, the spectators in the stands can't see the airbending happen, they don't assume that Toph cheated and is throwing the fight to lose money or to win money yes. for somebody else. And so all the times when Aang is scootering around or using some kind of wind gusting, there's nothing happening. You just get hit by this force, yes. which is terrifying. Which I'm wondering when he was air scootering, did it just look like he was just sitting on air? That's ridiculous. That's, That's kind crazy. of weird, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of creepy. It's just. However, kind of I was thinking about it. What if it's like, you know how you can't really see your tornado on till it gets super big or yeah. if it's like that like the things around it is moving so you know it's air That's and then right. it becomes like a tornado where it's like basically like dust it's yeah. not it's you know like you can see a tornado because of all the dust that's collected in that maybe it's kind of like that that's yeah, what I'm assuming. I think, yeah, that's that's probably right on par with what what's actually happening, right? It's dust, debris, trees that are thrown in, which gives it its appearance. But yes. outside of that, I mean, you're just gonna see a dust ball and then Aang just scootering like in in, 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 in <laughs> like no he's way. just traveling on dust, yeah, like yeah. a little cloud of dust. Oh, no. Yeah, which as a cartoon, it's like, oh yeah, like we didn't notice that, but it makes a lot of sense. We just, it's the it's um i guess the only element you can't really see yes no you can't with see the it. other things you can there. see it like with water earth and fire you can visibly see it so you can yeah. kind of figure out the attacks and maybe maybe that's why i guess for the air nomads it's like maybe they understood the power of having this like basically invisible bending skill <laughs> like they were just like we can't let i guess that because i'm i feel like if they were able to they could have really taken over like the whole yeah. entire nation and fought with the fire nation. So I guess th there's balance in that way too. That's really real. And I think, um, well, I just thought of Zaheer um, choking out the, the Earth King. <laughs> That's Earth so King. scary. That means that there was just nothing happening around her, but she just starts like gagging and choking. Yeah. And, and like the people around are like, what the hell? Person just like, what the <laughs> Shout out Zaheer. You're fucking extreme, but you're kind of yeah. a bad. But also, yeah. don't stop messing with Korra. All right, Korra yeah. gets so much. He's shit. kind of like the bloodbender of airbenders. Yeah. Yeah, which is really bad. <laughs> that's a big uh, you know? I don't know, Christian. You love your your bloodbenders, so okay. I, I am fascinated by it. I don't love it. I just think it's crazy to see something like that happen in in an element where I thought was just like. A really nice, chill, calming element. You, you heard know? it here first, people. Christian loves watching <laughs> car crashes and burning buildings. <laughs> and 
smiles like that little girl then meme actually you're 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 a hama fan i'm a here fan we're both sick and twisted cabbage court <laughs> yeah, hardcore <laughs> now christian so- is gonna seamlessly walk us through some of the influences after after just uh, just describing to <laughs> the real violence here christian's mm-hmm. gonna talk to us about some of the writing influence of what airbending comes from yes so for the airbending it is based off martial art type and i don't know if i'm pronouncing this right i believe this is how you pronounce it, it because it, it i Christian. looked it up baguazhang that's what i think that's how you pronounce it i looked it up i'm pretty sure they say jang a little different yeah. but i tried i tried to <laughs> test it out and it just didn't work out okay i tried my best is okay it, is it jang or is jang it's like jang like it's like jang but it's like the ending is a little different it's like jang like oh man no ba ba i don't know i think it's that but please like i'm trying my best i don't think that's yeah, it shout out shout out um, shout out my Wait, it's Chinese, right? Yeah. I believe so, yes. Shut, shut up, my Chinese language folks out here. Wait, yes. so what does that mean? What does that mean? So it is the eighth trigram palm. I'm not sure what that kind of correlates to, but it is one of three main Chinese martial art schools that they would gotcha. base off of. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And that is like the base of that. The Bagua Zhang. Mm-hmm look it up there's a lot of information out there (laughs) yes i just don't want to get it wrong so yeah and we also mentioned in the past that the ritual of selecting the avatar from the air nomads comes from dalai lama himself right Mm -hmm. is that um is that the selection of old toys from the reincarnations past of the dalai lama is exactly what ang had to do right to 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 tell the air nomad people that he was in this avatar Mm -hmm. um there's also Tenzin, right? Tenzin, which is the Dalai Lama's name, which becomes Aang's son. So there's there's a heavy homage to that um, that kind of faith in, in there as well. Okay, we are moving on to water. Now, water is the element of change. And it is, I guess, like the element kind of segment has to do with your personality as like people that are from this nation in this culture of bending and it is the ability to quickly adapt to the things around you and also a sense of community and that is kind of like um what makes i guess a waterbender a waterbender in that area yeah you know it's uh it's interesting we talk about community i was even thinking about the the names that we have for the different nations because we have the Fire Nation, the Earth Kingdom, the Air Nomads, and then it's the Water Tribe. It's a really beautiful callback to water as is, as the element of change and community itself. We we just saw this, so this is fresh in our heads. But like, talk to us about the first um, water benders out here. Is it really? Yes. Are we really saying the koi the koi fish in the damn <laughs> pond told everyone how to how to how to swim? What are we, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? So this is interesting because this is actually the only element that we know is not related to like an animal or a physical thing. Um, So people like for the air nomads, they learned it from the sky bison. But for the people that learned waterbending, they were able to see the push and pull from the moon and the ocean spirit. And these two spirits that we saw are the koi fish. And that was their... Um, I guess you could say they got it from the koi fish, but it's not really 
those aren't the animals because the spirits inhabited these koi fish. And because there's no animal directly related to how they learn bending, whenever something happens to the spirits that we saw, the people are directly affected by this. So that is a huge thing for them. Of course, you know, like I rise with the sun, you rise with the moon, like that's a huge part of it too. Mm. But from what we know, waterbenders are a lot more sensitive to that spiritual connection with the the, um, moon and ocean spirit because they had a direct relationship with learning the bending skills from them and not through like, I guess like a third party where it's like lion turtles, um, sky bison, and then like airbending. It was like the lion turtles had it and then the spirits that inhabited that, that's what, that's how the people learned, so. That, that was really interesting. Yeah, and it's like, I think we're, it's, it's, it's great that we're talking about these two elements in succession because these two elements are the most spiritual out of, yes. out of the two element bending arts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and kind of moving forward is how you are able to, I guess, master these skills. It, it's not really, I guess, like set in stone, which we will see later on with all the other bending skills. Like, for the airbenders, they had a very, I guess, like a like, rigid structure, right? a very rigid structure to how you could be a, a bend, like a master. But yeah. for the waterbenders we see, and like for all of them, it's just based off your skill in combat. And I think that makes sense because they're not like the air nomads. And it's not just based off of combat, but it is based off of just like your ability for the water waterbenders to like swiftly adapt and um counter attack whatever kind of bending is coming towards you and that would include basically the mastering of like 20 different like skills of water bending moves which i i'm pretty sure is probably very similar to like the tiers that airbenders had to learn so like those were the tiers that waterbenders had to learn and they have a lot like they have 20 different types of water bending moves while for earth and fire it's not a lot yeah, firebenders just skills. be shooting fire out. That's that's, yeah, that's all like, they got. At different their different number, <laughs> their yeah. number and their ability, it's it's a little bit more limited in that way. I mean, it's is we just saw this with Master Paco and Katara, right? Maybe a mm-hmm. little too quickly, but also it's it speaks to what Katara goes through under the heat of battle. But Master Paco grants Katara master status within like four days. You know, yes. it's like because she's that proficient at waterbending in different ways and uh-huh. in the fight between master paco and her well, we see katara doing at least 11 of the 20 right like she's yeah. really creative playing with it whether it's ice playing with water um and then you see katara on her feet kind of using that kind of the the push and pull of water to to really try and edge give her the edge in battle mm-hmm. yes Risha, you think what, what what you think you're a waterbender i feel like you're kind of waterbendy well, let's see through the elements. Definitely not air. I am very detached. I am very attached to this world. Yeah, yeah. My, my feet are very much on the ground in the world that we live. You think you're earth? I feel like you're earth. <sighs> yeah, props, maybe. I think fire is cool, but I, I don't know. I think that might would be wishful thinking. I think you're too nice for fire. Let's go. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're Earth. Let me see what Earth is. Earth is strong, diverse, and an enduring people. 
while it's like nice but then fire is like over powerful force tempered by a college hey, and I desire that, i want to be over, overly powerful let's go let's overpower everybody i love it yeah you know what it's a, i just saw that meme where like azula is the same age as Janora, and like that that just like it jacks you up crazy yeah just because like, wow, like you see what positive <gasps> we talk about all the time right positive parental reinforcement can look like yeah versus the worst kind of parental enforcement that just shows you how old Cora was when she dealt with all dealt with all of this and how young these kids were yeah yeah Dear I mean especially God. even airbender right all of them are fucking like 15 16 even, even younger than that so oh my god that's crazy so moving on we are going to now go to the sub skills and special techniques of waterbending. Now, I think this is my favorite section. I love learning about the different diverse techniques. Yes. And it's interesting because you have the master levels and then just a whole nother section of like, these are crazy different types. So there, from what I know, I have written down eight different kind of sub skills. So the first one is armless bending, which we saw in Korra. Are we talking about my girl Ming Hua right now? Let's go. Crazy. Yeah. And it's just basically you don't bend with your arms because in her case, she doesn't have arms. Right. Um, but you're able to just move with your torso, just like movement. And then you make your arms basically like water. Yeah. She like comes Crazy. out with like these kind of like octopus tentacles with made of mm -hmm. water. To kind of yes. her bend, but <laughs> help the yes. flow of things. But yeah, I guess it's mostly a torso mo motion, right? And we've mm -hmm. seen like firebenders all the time bend with their feet, right? Earthbenders bend with their feet all the time. But yeah, that's interesting. I think seeing the armless waterbender was uh, was like a freaking stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the infamous blood bending. Let's go. Let's just clap it up for her. <laughs> For Hama one time. Little, Crystal, little claps. All right, talk to me about what you love about bloodbending. What's what's the most fascinating thing about bloodbending? Um, I think for me, it wasn't even like the it wasn't the idea of bloodbending, but the episode where they presented bloodbending was so bittersweet because it was created because she was basically like dehumanized in so many ways. Yeah. And so she learned this technique. However, this technique is rooted in this resentment that even the people that learn this skill, this resentment will always be there because it's the idea of basically controlling somebody else. So anybody who adopts this, it's you can't change it to something that is good. And that is very interesting for me when it comes to waterbending because I've always seen waterbending, like we'll see later on, there is the subskill of healing. Like it's yeah. supposed to heal you and nurture you in so many ways. However, this is such a, a huge uh, contrast to what we've seen so far. And I guess like the person that we're represented to, like Katara is a very loving person in that way. But I think how they portray bloodbending it wasn't, it was, I'm sure, like, as a kid, I was like, that's evil, that's wrong. But as I got older, it was such a bittersweet thing. Like, this came about only because of something that she had to go through. And it was something she had to do to survive, basically. So, yeah, I think that it's not, like, 
the idea of bloodbending it was how it was introduced to me which is why I'm like oh wow that that is very interesting yeah and I think it's it are it's really the cost of war it's the toll the the toll of war that creates these really powerful bending forms but they're perverted right they're perversions of the natural state of things and so like Hama would never have found out bloodbending or created bloodbending had it not been for her capture and her torture at the at the hands of the fire nation yeah 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 um (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's very bittersweet in that sense yeah no i think bittersweet is the right word because it's it's such an interesting development into the whole well of the abilities of 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 the mythology of the series but at the same time Mm -hmm. it's like damn it really happened because of this particular yeah and i love talking about these kinds of things where it was something she needed to survive but it was something so evil like what do you do in that like situation you know, it's just yeah. like a result of war and a result of you having to get out. You kind of break your or you break your own moral code, basically, to do that yeah. kind of stuff. And I just, I guess, I love ha- having those kind of debates and conversations. And this in itself, this that episode that it's introduced is basically that, like a very controversial. Was what she did wrong, in the sense where her learning it and her doing it to escape really wrong for her to do that because it is taking away someone's ability to move and do their own thing, yeah. you know? And it's just like, ah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the grossest sense of um, on a, a, a breach of power, right? Because you're completely robbing the agency and the, the power from someone else, which is, you know, at, at its core, the most disgusting thing, right? So mm-hmm. you're completely robbing the sensation of free will from a person, which at the heart of it is, the most wrong thing you can do um yeah but the fact that you can get there through whether it's you know willpower and through torture i think is you know is a mark of just the cost of war again i think i want to stick with hama for one more second here because another another ability you have here is plant bending which i saw from hama for the first time which i think is a great kind of um it sets the table up for what blood bending is because Hama is is talking to Katara about there's water and everything. She takes a swipe out of this flower field and immediately the flowers um, die off. But Hama has his water in her hand and be like, look at what I've done. And I think it's a really good, um, it's a really good uh, kind of some uh, symbolic microcosm of what bloodbending is and who Hama is because mm-hmm. while the ability itself is super impressive, like you can pull water from anything, uh, the flowers around her die and it shows her that, that she leaves like this path of death and destruction when she uses her powerful bending. So I thought it was a really powerful, prescient, beautiful way to showcase the terrible power that Hama wields. Mm, yeah. It's, yeah. And we see that, I guess like a good side of that would be like swamp bending in that way where they move the plants. They don't take away the water from it, but they're able to use the plants to move the plants in that way which is very similar to water bending if you think right. about it that's also very similar so it's just the degree of what is too much you know yeah. it's like oh we can move water we can move the plants through the water inside then we can get rid of the water inside plants and then there's that sense of oh the next step is can you move living things <laughs> you know which is very scary in that sense um so yeah i think even with all the bending skills there's the level 
just like with airbending there was a level of manipulating air but then when when he took out the air within somebody now that is when it gets too much yes. and you don't really see that i guess in earth and fire because it's like from earth is like from the ground and fire is something you make um so it's interesting how the two most i feel like in some way a lot more dangerous skills are the balanced with people and morals that um contrast that so i guess yeah. there is that balance in both those bending skills right i mean you're right i think because earth and fire naturally i was like oh yeah you killed a guy using fire it makes sense you dropped a rock on a guy you kill a guy using earth but for the water and the air elements are usually looked at as life-giving or healing to see the flip of that and be like oh this can be used to control manipulate and destroy is actually really terrifying and i think that's scarier than <laughs> earth and fire it's just like meeting someone who's always happy but when they get re when they get upset and it shows it's like oh that's not good <laughs> like yeah, you really yeah. pissed like, them don't, off don't fuck with the cabbage corp okay we'll fuck you up <laughs> Don't, Christian and when Christian and I get mad, more so Christian. I was seeing a really, really me. You kind of understand. I'm, 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 I'm a little weak, but Christian, don't, don't mess with Christian. Cabbage Corp unlocked. But yeah, I just, I really just, I think the writing was so good in balancing those skills. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's how I feel. Like oh. with water and air, it's so light, but there's just that subsection that could go so wrong if you let it kind of and we see that in Cora a lot like the four prisoners basically and yeah, I, I love that storyline too yeah um Let, I mean, let's, all right let's let's get back to some more of the, the light yes the light the light <laughs> parts of water bending let's talk about cloud bending yes. so that was very similar to the air bending which we mentioned cloud bending is just the manipulation of clouds using the water inside them and that's something that we saw Katara do with Aang. Um, the next one is condensation where is you, Hama? Yes, Hama. Hama. Hama showed this to Katara too where she just like moved her hands and she was able, it's basically we have water vapor everywhere due to humidity yeah. and you are able to condense that into just to make water. Um, the next one would be bending solutions which we saw like the perfumes that um in that episode where they just bended it to disrupt yeah. the sheer shoe nice nose yes i got it um and then the last one is steam manipulation which we saw uh katara use a lot when she um made a bunch of fog or steam to cover up her where she was and we also see that in air bending too where he just lifts up all the dust and just everything so you, he can't see anything yeah and i think a lot of these abilities we see both from air and water when they're trying to like mask appa as he's flying right we mm -hmm. use a lot of cloud coverage for appa when he's flying through enemy ships enemy lands and i think water bending is used similarly by Katara in a lot of ways to hide right to evade mm -hmm. um what uh, what team avatar is trying to go all right and so now with all those sub skills special techniques the understanding of mastery Let's talk about some fun facts, some miscellaneous yes. fun facts from the show, from the history, from the Avatar universe about yes. waterbending. So um, something I did want to mention was when Katara learned bloodbending, 
obviously from that episode you guys haven't seen it yet spoiler alert she learns it and she's devastated like she is forced to learn it and I think that is very correlated to Hama she had to learn it in a forceful way because it was her life against like everybody else basically um so after the hundred year war Katara actually declared that blood bending be outlawed and she made it illegal which I thought was just an interesting fact to put in about how much that this skill affected Katara like it it happened so early on in the episode where you don't really like see it and when she uses it once it's, it's very scary however you would think like oh okay like that's just her skill um and she'll move on but you find out later she's like no one should have this skill because it's so like inhumane so that I thought that was a very interesting fact yeah and I think season one of Legend of Korra bloodbending is essentially at the core of the main villain Amon right about him um bloodbending and, and essentially bloodbending you're bending away is, is kind of yes. a special ability and so we see this come to to kind of full fruition of the promise that Hama puts out there about like passing her legacy down and what it can look like when it's really at the wrong hands of someone in power. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it, that's why it's so terrifying when we see it first, because we understand that it's such a slippery slope about where it can go eventually when you just let it kind of ride out like that. And it's important to know too, like Katara is an incredibly important figure in, you know, after the, the events of um, Navitar, uh, avatar last airbender right because not only is she married to the current avatar but she has a close relationship with the fire lord and zuko oh Mm -hmm. my god the triangle again is is, is present there she's (laughs) she's a leader of like this kind of new free world that they're building together and what katara her lasting legacy other than like you know having her children and have you know preserving the legacy of ang is that she fought and led the motion to declare it illegal so i think it shows you just how much it affected her like i remember seeing like when that old hag Hama was like, she starts laughing right after Katara bloodbends her, and because like you're a bloodbender now, and now yeah. I've I've effectively done what I set out to do, which is pass on this terrible talent to somebody else, yes. and Katara does it, and she's so shook by that, as you said, Christian, that she doesn't want it to anyone to do it again. Unfortunately, yes. it does. Yeah, yeah, and it it is that side where Katara is very like in that sense, she thinks. She's very, I guess in this time and age, she's like a feminist. She's like, I can do what any man can do. But then this is one thing that she's like, no one should ever encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Because we see that with Master Paku, where she's like, no, I should be able to learn and become a master. But she knows her limits of her, I guess, morals. And she knows this is not allowed. And it shouldn't be. So Like she wants to fight, but this isn't fighting. This is complete rob of self-will and immorality. Yes. Yes. Christian, talk to us about the opposing art of waterbed. Yes. What, what are we talking about here? Um, yeah, so the direct opposing art would be firebending. And those are kind of like very, I guess, in a way simple. A lot of people know just like water and uh, fire are direct opposites of each other. So when they fight and oppose each other, it be, it's, a, it's a different battle, I guess, because yeah. you can extinguish the other. And this so, is the thing, yeah. like... Um, I don't think it's like Pokemon logic, right? Because I grew up on Pokemon logic, all the elements were the weaknesses, double weaknesses, triple weaknesses to something Mm -hmm. else. I don't think fire is necessarily weak 
very weak to water in this universe mm -mm. i think it depends on what you're surrounded by like master paku is destroying the fire nation when they're at the northern water tribe right because he's he's on home turf he's essentially fighting with all the water and um, ice around him and the same way i don't think like um Qatar versus azula right i don't think that's that's particularly in Qatar's favor doubly so i think um to the point where Katara and Zuko when they fight is interesting because maybe they're on more similar levels. Zuko's probably a little more advanced at, in the beginning, but um, so much has to do with the the waning and the waxing moon versus the sunrise too. So it's not quite the like you know double week to fire as we see or double week to water as we see in uh, a Squirtle Charmander battle, but <laughs> just kind of distinctly opposites as yes. an elemental opposite. Um, yeah, so that was interesting because if you think of like air and earth, that it those are the opposites in that way of the element, but they balance each other out, which is why the opposites are supposed to exist. And then the last part is the influence of the bending skill is also a Chinese martial arts tactic that they learn, which is, like I said, I need to practice these, but it's, I believe, Tai Jing Quan. Beautiful. Chinese martial arts. And this is very interesting because this actually is a concept. So Tai Ji has to do with the movement of yin and yang. Oh. And Quan means like fist. So I, I don't know what that ending is for me, but it's just um, part of it is the flow and the yin and the yang and the balance of things. And it's an internal Chinese martial arts. This tactic, I guess, like movement is just very slow movements that are very similar to the flow of water. Awesome. And with that, we just want to thank you guys for listening to episode eight of the Cabbage Corp podcast. This was a different feeling one, guys. We're not doing an episode yeah. eight. We wanted to give you kind of more information about the history of it. A little straighter, a little we got on our smart schoolboy caps. Is that a thing? Why am I making <laughs> hey, that up? Don't don't put a gender on it, okay? School school <laughs> school last uh, school person caps. You're right. Um, and uh, follow us on Instagram at Cabbage Court Pod. We'll be updating exactly what you need to be watching. Christian's funny yes. memes that she's finding on the daily and uh yes, i love my memes yes i love them wait give it give us a before we leave here what's your favorite recent avatar meme oh wait i a little um pause here i will look for it right now oh my god okay wait everyone i'm back there's a meme i don't know if you guys know but a lot of girls are dyeing their front strips of their hair this silver color and if you did not know Zadir was the first one to do that wait you're saying Zahir is the first one to die is oh god <laughs> I'm showing a victim to all right that's, Gosh, that's but it's basically Zadir has these white strips of hair right here but every girl I'm telling you a lot of girls are just dying their first like two hairs no hey I think it looks really cool I do. I really love it, but it's just, you know, Zadir. Zadir was the start of the trend. So that's I my think, favorite right now. You know what? It's just so relatable. That's, it's a great one. I think um, maybe Rogue from X-Men Evolution. We're looping back, looping that back. Oh. A little streak of white too. 
If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to just show some love and support to the CaptureCorp podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com slash premium for only $4.99 a month. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive episodes from Stitcher. If you just want to check it out and you don't really know if it's for you, don't worry. If you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you get a month free on us. So go check it out. Yeah, with that said, we'll have weekly memes with Christian after this. But um, yeah, we'll be talking more about the Avatar lore and universe on our little short hiatus from going and jumping into the book too. But we'll have plenty more content to come. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at CabbageCorpPod to follow along with us on all future endeavors, episodes, Avatar mythology. Thank you for listening, Cabbage Heads. We love you. Stay safe. Zaheer did, did it first. first.